You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Fantastic to have you with us. It is the Farmer's Kitchen podcast with me, Helen Farmer, brought to you by Spinneys. Prepare to feel very hungry indeed. Doesn't matter how you pronounce it, as long as you enjoy it. We were celebrating Tomato Day with a producer and a chef with some top tips on what to do with them, talking to the chef behind the Belgrave in Abu Dhabi and indeed Global Village, all about Iranian cuisine, talking all things Easter with Spinney's, a chocolate egg that weighs four kilos and other top trends. The guest chef from The Crossing was sharing stories about his legendary father and what's on the menu there for a very special collaboration. It was Chef Laurent Petit, the executive chef at the H Dubai, who's telling us about his travels, his journeys and what he loves about working in the industry and finding out more about the newly opened Above 11 Dubai. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I love talking food. I love a busy studio and I love passionate foodies. And that's what we've got in the show this afternoon. Delighted to be talking about a um, a bit of a powerhouse collaboration. Kachina in the Marriott Resort Palm Jumeirah celebrating International Tomato Day, which was yesterday, with a celebration of delicious dishes alongside one very famous Italian tomato lover. Diana Athiana is with us. She is the founder of Italiana Vera in Italy. And Chef Manuel joining us from Cucina, um West Palm Beach. Guys, thank you so much for coming in, especially on a Friday, Chef. I know how busy you guys are to talk tomatoes. Diana, can we start with you? What yeah. is the story behind Italiana Vera? Where did your love of tomatoes come from? <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for your um, for inviting me here. So welcome. it's very pleasure. So good uh, good morning. Um, I'm Diana, yes, and I'm a founder of Italiana Vera. Uh, Italiana Vera is my own company. Um, I'm the third generation of tomato producers, yes, oh. but with Italiana Vera, I want to tell the um, simplicity of good tea and the traditional, original, authentic tomatoes made in Italy by hand. Mm. So we have a very artisanal um, artisanal production in which uh, the, um, the women are uh, have a very good value. So, uh, so it's very female-centric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we are specialized in uh, Samazzano tomato, Pomodorino del Piendono del Vesuvio Dopis, a little cherry tomato made in a very uh, very close to Vesuvio in, uh, in Napoli. So we are, uh, we, we tell our land through the different varieties of tomatoes. And I'm so passionate <gasps> in tomato. So this is all to do with, I mean, I'm sure you, you could be like a tomato sommelier. You could be talking about different varieties, different geographical locations yeah. as well. I know almost nothing, Diana. So I am, I am your student this afternoon. <laughs> Can I ask you then, in t- when we're looking at what impact does the size of a tomato have? Does the colour of a skin have? Does that impact the taste? Um, yes, but yes, because uh, of course um, the land in which our tomatoes are cultivated is very, very rich in soil, and uh, um, these uh, important characteristics can be a very special tomatoes that you can find only in this particular lands. So uh, it's important uh, in the Campania region and in particular the province of Salerno and Naples, very close to, uh, very to, close to Naples, are the main important um, places in which you can find the best tomatoes of the world. I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> oh my goodness, the passion and the accent, Diana. Um, but whenever we meet chefs and we start talking about produce, it's always about the quality. And when I've spoken to Italian chefs before and I've said, which three ingredients, you know, could you not live without? Tomatoes, olive oil, garlic sometimes. Yeah, Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, I agree with that. But it means nothing if the ingredients are rubbish. So it must be, especially there's nowhere to hide. If you're doing super simple food, it has to be about using the best. Chef Mano, tell us a little bit about why you love working with these tomatoes and what you're going to be using them for. Well, uh, I love to work with uh, Tomato Italiana Vera because she has very uh, different kind of selection. So to make a spaghetto pomodoro for me, it's very touch my heart sometimes, you know, because remind me back home and uh, I try to get uh, many kind of different tomato just to make a simplicity of spaghetti pomodoro because it's very cool when we have a different kind so we can mix up with the sweetness and sourness so that's why I'm using it. So you're having some fun with it as well. Yeah. Now something very exciting for anyone out there who might have a tomato in their possession. Chef what happens if you turn up with a tomato to your restaurant for 
the next few days? Yes, yeah, so you can bring your uh, tomato. So basically until Friday, we're going to have tomato for tomato. We're gonna, if you bring uh, your own tomato, we're going to give you a spaghetti tomato for free. What a deal. Okay, so this is what you need to do, guys. You need to go to Katina. As we said, it's the Marriott Resort, Palm Jumeirah. Bring a tomato and you get one of Chef's very own signature dishes. Oh my goodness. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Talking tomatoes, talking collaboration, flavours now with Diana Tiana, the powerhouse founder of Italia Nevera here in Italy, here in Dubai. They are supplying some of the best tomatoes to some of the best hotels, including Chef Manuel from Cucina at West Palm Beach, their Marriott Resort Palm Jumeirah, newly opened. And you guys are cooking up something very special, a tomato-infused and inspired menu. And as I said earlier, if you take a tomato to Cucina, you'll get a bowl of pasta as a thank you. Diana, talk to us about tomatoes and some of their nutritional values. What what can we identify as being really healthy in them? Yeah, um, tomatoes is very rich in licopene. licopene, And when you have a very artisanal production in tomatoes, you can obtain the best value, uh, organolytic properties of tomatoes. So you can make value to the best organolytic process in tomatoes when you are very artisanal process. So we want to enhance the, the values of tomatoes, make this kind of process so you can find the licopene, you can find uh, vitamin. So uh, in this way, you can obtain the best, best um, uh, characteristics. And what about cooking and flavor combinations? What are some of your favorite ways to, I guess, celebrate this beautiful ingredient? Yeah, I love when you put, for example, the Pomodorino del Vesuvio. Vesuviello is one of my favorite tomatoes with um, clams. Oh, I love is a very Napolitan dishes, and the Vesuviello tomato, uh, who grown very close to Vesuvio in Naples, uh, have a, a particular characteristics. Uh, and when you um, put to this one with clams, you can obtain a very very good plat dish, plat pasta dish. Well, Chef Manuel <laughs> nodding along, so you approve. Tell us what's on the menu then at Cucina, where you are celebrating these beautiful tomatoes. What have you created? Yeah, so I created a frisella bread uh, with tomato, with three different tomato. Frisella bread is such like uh, a pizza dough. Uh, we cut it to half and then we make it dry. And then we marinated the tomato from Italiana Vera, the palm, the palm tomato and uh, the yellow palm uh, with oregano, olive oil, garlic, salt, black pepper. Yeah. A bit of basil and then we keep it there for a while and then we garnish it on top of this bread and it's so delicious. Pasta as well, I hope, sir? Yes, for pasta we have Coulourjones pasta. It's uh, typical from Sardinia, so it's uh, stuffing with uh, potato and mint, very fresh. And we serve it with tomato sauce, the Italiana Vera, of course, course. and uh, Parmesan gel as well. Yum. Okay, what about... It's wonderful. Is it? I love it. Yeah, I, I, I love the Cularzone. I trust I <laughs> take on this. <laughs> Tell us then about cooking pasta, because when we've spoken about Italian food sins in the past, and I'm talking about cream and carbonara or a cappuccino after 12 o'clock, um, cooking pasta, what are some of your big do's and indeed do nots? Okay, the, first of all, uh, we have to wait the water's boiling before the pasta is going in the water. And put the salt inside. So the salt it will uh, take nice. The the pasta will take the salt salty properly, you know, and will have good flavor at the end. And then I suggest from my side uh, we eat very al dente in Italy, but uh, to cook an spaghetti pomodoro, the dry pasta, it take like eight minutes, and then you finish at two minutes in the pan. So it will become all the creamy or all the starch from the pasta it will come out, and it's coming very nice and creamy. So how do you know when it's done? There was this test people talking a while ago about throwing a strand of spaghetti at the wall is this you looking at me as if i've completely lost my mind how do you know when it's ready are you just going in and tasting it yeah we, we are not throwing pasta around. before before uh, we plating in, in the dishes we are trying we test it and uh, when it's coming nice very creamy the sauce because all the starches come out from the pasta it will uh, it's ready so let's let's have a little cookery lesson here. We've got about a minute left, Chef. If we're going to make a really good 
pomodoro sauce. Of course, we need the best tomatoes. We have yeah. those. Thank you to you, Diana. What's, what's, uh, what's going on in the pan and what other ingredients do we need? Yes, for sure, we have to using a very good olive oil, first of all. And then we cut it to carrot, celery and onion. We are saute quite uh, 10 minutes and then we had the tomato, which is you prefer. And you cook at least for one hour if uh, the tomato is uh, 2.5 liter. You make it sound so simple. So how long are <laughs> you, you in town for, Diane, and how long is this collaboration going to be available at Kachina? Well, the collaboration starting uh, until uh, next Friday with okay. Diana. Yeah. And then... And I'm, I'm so happy to collaborate yeah. with Emanuele because Emanuele can... Uh, Emanuele give to my tomatoes very, very good, uh, good dishes make with a lot of... And there's lots of Italian being spoken in the kitchen. I'm sure you're a happy chef as well. Thank you so much both for coming in. I think you've got a lot of people craving a lot of pasta right now. And (laughs) as I said, if you want details of that, just send me the word tomato. You can send me a tomato emoji if you want, and I will send you details. Take a tomato, get a bowl of pasta. There's beautiful collaboration happening at Cucina at the Marriott Resort Palm Jumeirah until next Friday. Guys. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Diana speaking to us. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Meeting the chef, the restaurant now, a brother-sister duo who opened up a new Persian restaurant in Abu Dhabi called Belgrave. It's a restaurant brand, first born in London and now here in the UAE with not one but two locations. And we've got head chef Amin Ebra with us to tell us a little bit more. Congratulations, Thank first you of so all. Much. How are you, chef? I'm very good. Thank you for having me in your amazing show. Well, we were talking earlier on Dubai Eye about teachers being under a huge amount of stress as a career. And when I think about stressful jobs, teachers is definitely up there. Chefs also up there. So you're not just working hard as a chef, but as someone who's bringing this brand to the UAE. Sure. How are your stress levels, sir? Uh, <laughs> there is always challenges. But uh, one thing I love or I like about my job is those challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it makes me feel that I'm alive, that I'm useful for the community. Um, so, yes, when a, a typical chef would work in kitchen, and the service time and the busy time, everything is hard. Uh, sorry, everything is hot mm-hmm. and everything is sharp. Yeah, quick. And time is against you. So, yeah, the stress level could go up, as you have seen in some of the programs like Golden Ramsey. So you can see things can go very crazy. But you must do this because you love it. And you must be energized by uh, that energy. Uh, trust me, if I, uh, uh, if I born again and again and again... It's what I would do because I just love hospitality. I love food and I love uh, feeding people with food and see them in that enjoyment. And that's the reward, isn't it? I always feel bad when chefs are kind of locked away in the kitchen and they can't see the reactions of the diners because it's that's everything, isn't it? That's Uh, why you do it. Most of my uh, restaurants, the, the kitchen is open and I just want to see the reactions of the food yeah. that people eat. And trust me, that's, that's better than any money coming to my account. See that pleasure of eating out the food. It, it's amazing. This is in your blood as well. Tell us a little bit about your grandfather. So my grandfather, uh, he was the, one of the uh, main chefs of the last king of Iran. Whenever we go to visit him in his house, uh, he was cooking the best food for us. Not that only tastes good, uh, it's the presentation that it grabs my eyes. Unfortunately, I don't know, 20 something years ago, we had no Instagram, we had no camera on us. Mm -hmm. So I can actually take some photos with that. But that was very fascinating for me. And the presentation of the food was doing everything and uh, the way his hands moving around it was just amazing so you are a chef now but you did study architecture tell us about you coming back to food so basically whenever when when i finished my uh, studies in uh, london in uk in 2008 um then i had a job opportunity uh which was uh, opening few branches here and there and it was to do with hospitality so when I went and do it, I was like, my God, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do for, you know, uh, for, my, uh, for my life, basically. So how do you marry that, that idea of architecture and aesthetics? And of course, what you're talking about there about presentation with food. Tell us a little bit about your space in Abu Dhabi. 
Um, basically, um, the, the, uh, what uh, we want to do in every other restaurant that I have, especially the one in Abu Dhabi, it's the experience. It's the food experience that we want, we want to give. It's the journey that we want to take you, if, if you like. So you sit down, you enjoy the mocktails, then you go to the starters, then you go to the main course, then you go to the best part of the meal, which is desserts. The sweet stuff. So, yeah, yeah. So this, what we want to do, uh, what my team or myself, we want to achieve, uh, it's to try to have that uh, Persian hospitality experience because we don't just go I mean yes we go out to eat but you know I went out for dinner last night and you know the food was fantastic but I was also you know looking around and feeling like you're in a space yeah you know checking out people at the next table how do they know each other you know what are they ordering you know this the music you know it is this kind of and it should be this immersive experience something of of an escape Sure. If you will. So tell us a little bit about the food. What's on the menu at Belgrave? So Belgrave, it's um, we have uh, some of the most traditional Iranian foods in the menu, uh, which I always describe it. It's the your mother's cooking. So very old recipes uh, generated from my grandfather to my mom and my aunties. And then I have I had I had the pleasure of knowing those recipes. But the presentation, it's a little bit of modern. Because if you ask me after Iranian cuisine, what cuisine you like, I love Japanese. Because the way they play top, the way they do things, it's just amazing, right? So it's a a mixture of doing a traditional cooking recipes in the kitchen, execution of the modern dishes. This is what basically my aim is. I hope I have achieved it. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Head chef Emin Everett is with us. Him and his sister opened up Belgrave in London and now in Abu Dhabi and Global Village, one of my favourite foodie destinations in the whole of the UAE. So thank you for making the time, especially on a Friday. Thank I know you. Thank you for hospitality is crazy. Now, chef, because you are a friend of the show, you cannot win this prize. I've got a 500 dirham voucher to spend in Spinney's. And everyone listening can, of course, send me a message on 4001 or the WhatsApp or the ARN player, whatever you like. And tell me... Based on the fact that, legend has it, the biggest Easter egg in existence was 34 feet tall. Wow. I'm insane. I want to know which sweet treat, chocolate bar, snack would you make mega? Mine was a crunchy. I love a Cadbury's crunchy. Yeah. I love the idea of like honeycomb the size of my head. Right. I've got a message in agreement. For Andal, uh, it's a Reese's Peanut Buttercup. Grace would like a cream egg as tall as the Burj Khalifa so she could dive in. And it's a bear. Oh my goodness, I'd supersize a dark lint Lindor chocolate ball the size of mm. a volcano so it can ooze out. Yes. What is, have you got a sweet tooth? Yes, of course. Good, <laughs> correct answer. What yeah. would it be for you? Oreo. An Oreo? Oreo cookies. The middle. Oh my God, I love Oreo cookies. And you know you know how I would eat it? Go on. I don't eat it just like that. I just... Like, you you know, take the lid off. The lid off. Uh-huh. And then I just went like, uh, like this and then that's okay. it. No judgment on this show <laughs> at all. Right. Let's talk about your menu. Tell us a little bit about some of the specialties you've got there at Belgrave. Uh, so we have uh, crusty, um, all the Belgrave restaurants because the one in London, the menu is quite different. Well, that's what I was going to ask you because obviously Middle Eastern market here. Yeah, it's different to here. You must right. have had to do quite a bit of so, research and adjustment. In London, we don't do any grills. We don't do any kebabs. We just do authentic Iranian dishes from all over the country, meaning all over the country, meaning in Iran, north, east, west, south. And so in, in London, we went quite authentic because of the European people. They like to try more curries. Mm-hmm and stuff like that so london is like that and in here we have a big range of uh, kebabs the all-time favorites of people like kubide the kufte kebab uh, but one of the most favorite dish that we have there is a dish is called kashka badamjun uh, or badamjan right uh, so basically it's pan fried aubergine oh. with uh, onions a little bit of touch of garlic not too much and um, we have something it's called we, or I would say to under, for people to understand it better, is a matured, basically, yogurt. 
and you mix all of that and then you put some walnuts on top. Ooh. Trust me, it does it. It does it for you. Okay, and dessert? Uh, desserts, uh, when it comes to, ira- to, to desserts, because Iranian meals are so heavy, starters are very, he- relatively are heavy, and then main course. Sure. So when, when we get to dessert, we kind of, in our culture, we kind of have given up and we just like to have the tea. Yeah. So what we've done in Belgrave's, uh, we, we've gone around the world and we picked up the best desserts, creme brulee, cheesecake, so on. Give the people what they want. And we made it Iranian. So we, we, we uh, added a touch of saffron, cardamom, you know, cinnamon, and, you know, a few other things. Because for me, like I said in the first part of the show, the best part of the meal, it's the desserts. I'm with you. Tell us then about how that translates to Global Village, where you haven't necessarily got people who might be coming to sit down with you for two hours. Very good question. Very good question. So in Global Village, my branch is I have gone very traditional. Even the dishes are made from copper, you know, and how many years ago people used to eat on them. So in Global Village, our main focus is on starters and main course because people just want to sit down, eat and go. Yeah, then we right? go shopping or a Ferris But wheel. still, you sit under, under a sort of like a tent, which is four meter high. And I have a massive chandeliers there to give you that feeling that you will you sit in an Iranian house. So and we have a water fountain in the middle. We had some bed sittings. So I went very traditional in Global Village to just, uh, you know, sit with all the other, basically, uh, the whole theme of the park, which is Global Village. Tell us then, and I know there might be plans afoot, permanent location in Dubai, Yes, you said, with a hope in her voice? Um, I'm not going to reveal the uh, location, uh, if I may, That's fine. if you allow I me. Understand. But uh, let's say for your listeners, and uh, by end of the year, uh, we will have a permanent location in Dubai. But I'm telling you, it's an amazing location. It sounded so London then. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, it's you. amazing. It's amazing. And last question to you, Chef. Yes. Um, if we're going to go to, I mean, honestly, most people listening today are probably in Dubai. So, and it is Global Village season ending soon. Sure. So let's say Global Village. What are the two things you should order from Belgrave in order to have like your authentic experience? Your two favorites. So, like I said, Kashka Badamju, for sure. And then Kubide. Kubide is all-time favorite kebab, which most likely, if right now we go out and we interview or we ask people, what is the well-known or the best-known Iranian dish that you know, they say is Kubide. And can I just say, we also have one very traditional dish, which is Gorma Sabzi. And uh, that, that is also very authentic and very amazing. Well, thank you so much. For anyone that does want to check you guys out on social media, what's the best way of finding you? Uh, so, belgrave.ad, it's for Abu obviously Dhabi. for Abu Dhabi. Uh, belgrave.london is for London. And belgrave.dxp is for Dubai. And then uh, my page is Chef Amin. If anybody has any question, wants to have any recipes, any oh. basic tricks, please do fire me out and then I'll be able to answer you there. Well, thank you so much for coming in. No I problem. You a lovely, lovely weekend ahead. Thanks for having me. I'm You're now a music show. really craving some kebabs. <laughs> so job done. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Fantastic to have you with us for another Foodie Friday. Helen Farmer with you on Farmer's Kitchen and joining us now from Spinney's is Jo Black. She is the commercial manager of Ambient and the one responsible for those shelves laden with beautiful chocolate eggs. Jo, how are you? I'm great. I'm looking forward to this weekend. (laughs) Me too. What are your Easter plans? I can start to actually delve into the big mass of samples of (laughs) eggs and chocolate that I've got at home. It's been kind of good over the last few weeks and I don't think I'm going to be able to resist much longer. (laughs) Were you one of those children or indeed one of those adults that um, was able to have a little nibble of chocolate and of your egg and then put it back or were you a full like smash and grab it's gone in a day person? Oh yeah, absolutely the latter. I I cannot control myself, oh, and I, I don't even realise I'm doing it. <laughs> Just like go back. Do you know what I love about about a chocolate Easter egg? I love it when the, the chocolate's kind of gathered at the bottom a little bit, and you get these thicker, 
um, like kind of chunks of chocolate. So I'm I'm like you. I'm like, oh, I've just looked down and the entire egg is gone. My brother would manage to let, like an Easter egg would last until June. Like it, it was the most frustrating what? thing. And I would just be, like, it would just kind of call to me from a cupboard. And he was like, no, I'm just going to have a little bit. And then just when I realised we were just very, very different people. <laughs> so, That's so strange. <laughs> so we are asking everyone this afternoon to get in touch and talk about the snack or chocolate that they would supersize in light of the largest chocolate egg on record being 34 feet tall. Um, what comes to mind? What would you like to see on a, on a grand scale on the sweet front, Joe? My personal choice, um, well, I am the biggest lover of mini eggs. And I know it's kind of the opposite of what you're asking, but can you imagine a massive mini egg? Yes. <laughs> like a dinosaur egg. Like, like a dinosaur egg, yeah, exactly. Make it, make it happen. <laughs> How popular are mini eggs in store, Joe? Do you, do you have oh. do you have data on these kind of things? Yeah, of course. Um, Cabbie mini eggs—they're the, they're the most popular products that we sell at Easter. Um, we launched them earlier this year, based on all of the customer feedback that we've had, and we've bought so much more that it will last into stores after Easter. Um, in terms of tonnage, we're just tonnage. Tonnage. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we, go on. Yeah, we sell a lot of mini eggs. Um, uh, I'm not responsible for all of it, but uh, yeah, just shy of 10 tons of mini eggs. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh my Crazy. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm responsible. There are some in my fridge right now, so I, I do... I feel like I've acted um, towards that amazing goal of 10 tons of music. Um, Speaking of eggs, I don't know if you saw in the news this morning, people are outraged. People are, or maybe not outraged, but certainly surprised. Shocked. (laughs) Shocked and surprised by what is inside a cream egg. Someone took to Twitter and said, what's inside a Cadbury's cream egg? Why is the cream orange and white? Um, I, I don't know what they thought would be inside a Cadbury's cream egg, but people seem to be pretty shocked that this filling is made up of fondant so basically icing sugar what did they think it would be i don't <laughs> <laughs> a raw egg yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy but i feel like these these sort of stories always pop up just before easter because it's just another way to get people talking about it true but true who cares they taste amazing oh, absolutely <laughs> right but you know what they do i think it's like it's that kind of annual treat isn't it it wouldn't be the same in september if they were available all year round it's got to be this idea of yeah. now it's now it's cadbury's cream egg time um how do you eat yours joe black uh, I just I just throw it in my gob. I do. I don't. I don't like, mess around. <laughs> I like yeah. to. I'm I'm judging myself here as I as I say this. I like to bite the top off, and then I will get the other end of a spoon. So not like the the big end, like the kind of the end. Oh of it. yeah. Scoop yeah. out all the fondant. Have that on the end of the spoon. Eat the chocolate and have the fondant last. Um, and if oh, that's wrong, I I don't want to be right. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, you know, you're saying there about people getting in on the old kind of easter egg pr um subway in the uk has announced it is releasing yeah. a limited edition cream egg subway sandwich Ugh. two squashed and melted cream eggs on italian bread it's, it's only available today so dubai dwellers i'm sorry it's only available in uh, london liverpool uh, <laughs> a service station in swansea and in glasgow i mean but who knows they might they might bring it back here around if it if it proves to be popular um closer to home Let's talk about what's got going going on in store. When do you start preparing and researching and dare I say sampling for the Easter period? How long has this been in the works for? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Like all of our seasons, we, we work up to more than 12 months in advance. And, you know, it, whether that's ranging from going to other markets and, and seeing what's going on in other parts of the world. So I was in the UK last week and seeing sort of what's going on in UK trends. But up to 12 months, you know, we'd like to see the season um, as far in advance as we can. And then we'll start placing our orders probably within the next three to four months. Um, you know, we, we do have to work tirelessly to make sure that we're able to offer customers exactly what they want. And they're very vocal about it. Really? <laughs> Go on. What, what, what do the people want? Um, we up to up to requests like why have you not got the glow in the dark uh, Easter uh, not Easter egg the pumpkins at Christmas or why can't we use sell mini eggs all year round you know our customers are very they're passionate about chocolate so you know you mentioned trends there what what trends are we seeing um, when it comes to chocolate eggs 
Well, you've already touched on it already in terms of making everything supersized. So um, we're not quite, did you say it's 14 foot? We've not got an Easter egg that big, but we've got eggs in store at the moment, which are basically the weight of a very small toddler at 4 kg. Um, <gasps> so we've got a few of those. Um, <laughs> oh, 4 kilo. I mean, this. Yeah. That sounds good. Grab it can. Are we, we talking. <laughs> Tell me more. Is it hollow? Is there something inside it? Because that was always the treat, wasn't it? When you were little, like, oh, what's inside? It was this little kind of plastic, yeah. rustling so, bag so of it, Smarties. It is hollow, but the walls of the egg are very thick. And it's also decorated in, you know, hundreds of thousands and beautiful icing. So it's, it's quite a heavy, dense egg on it, in itself anyway. But yeah, those, those have been something new for this year, which has been quite exciting. What, what's, um, but, what, what else is um, kind of... I guess kind of trending. I love I love the little um, lint bunnies. Please tell me that those aren't going to go anywhere. Oh, they're of course they're a stalwart of Easter. They're never they're never going to disappear. And again, making those bigger, we've got a one kg bunny on the shelf at the moment. <laughs> bigger than an actual bunny, probably. Bigger than an actual bunny. Yes, definitely, definitely overshadows an actual bunny. Um, but in terms of like outside of the big and making things larger, it's the weird and wonderful. I mean, like I said, when I was in the UK last week, we're seeing eggs, Easter eggs that are modelled on potatoes, which is what bizarre yep golden chocolate blonde chocolate then painted with basically to look like a potato i mean it's random but it's you know it's a talking piece isn't it gets people excited <laughs> oh that is really weird a bit heston isn't it the kind of the trickery of it the is. eye um yeah what about non-eggs what else are we seeing in terms of snacks and treats and even decor in store because you know it's good friday today so this is the this is the time to be getting ready for the easter weekend uh what what are you excited about Absolutely. So outside of confectionery, you're moving into the sort of, again, you would have seen it in our other seasonal campaigns, but the likes of decorating cookie kits. So really fun for the kids at home to get involved in like different activities around the Easter period. Um, And something that we're really seeing step up over the last sort of couple of years, actually, um, is around decorating at home. So we're seeing customers bring out their Christmas trees at Easter and decorating them with eggs and chips and bunnies. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's really getting into the theme of it. I quite like that because the the Easter tree, to my mind, this was not a thing for me growing up, but I have started seeing, and I will point the finger at Instagram, more and more, but more to do with, you know, spray painting twigs white and then hanging lovely little decorations from it. So I like the idea of having, you know, the, the Easter table. Um, and I know your colleagues are obviously going to have some lovely lamb and some fresh veggies and things like that and have you got some decor to make it more of an occasion as well absolutely yes yeah. so, i mean we'll be we'll be spending we'll be spending easter at home we'll be definitely picking up leg of lamb from spinnies we'll be doing a full table we're having friends over and yeah just decorating the table we'll have a nice easter vibe at home so last yeah. question <laughs> joe black after <laughs> after sampling testing trying trending What's going to be your egg of choice this weekend? Oh, that's like, I, I know. That's so hard. Why do you always do this? <laughs> um, look, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go with our 4kg egg. It's, it's, you know, it's so novel and I'm probably going to be like your brother and eating it until June because it's so huge. Yeah, right. But we'll talk, in, we'll probably... talk before June and have a little catch up <laughs> of just how many kilos are left. But yeah, I love this idea of like the showstopper moment. You could, you know, you can have it as part of dessert um, on your meal and then maybe last until June. It's not that big. Four <laughs> kilos. I think I could take that down in a week very comfortably indeed. Well, I know what I'm craving now. Thank you so, so much. Um, really appreciate your time. Have a lovely Easter weekend to uh, to you and, and the team. Have a good one. Thank you too. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We've got some food royalty in the studio this afternoon. Chef Mohammed Ashfaq Qureshi is the son of the legendary Grand Master Chef Imtiaz Qureshi, who's here at the Crossing here in Dubai as a guest chef this Ramadan through until the 16th of this month. Um, talking about Adwadi cuisine, and I've got so many questions for you, Chef. How are you this afternoon? Very well, Helen. How are you? I'm really well. And you've also just told me you've brought some food in. So yes, I did. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I do accept bribes when they are kebab and biryani based. So I appreciate it. Well, well, you couldn't come to us, so we got food for you. Yes, so. I love it. Now, I need to ask about your dad because he was hoping to be Tell in Dubai. Me. How is his health? How is he? He's doing very well now. Good. Uh, but he's 
he's getting a little older and uh, things are a little difficult but yes uh, he's keeping well you're now. representing yeah, you're yes. you're bringing the flavors and the fire absolutely absolutely tell us a little bit about growing up in such a food centric home i mean obviously it was normal to you to have this father that was this incredible chef and i'm mm. i'm sure he came back with some amazing stories what are some of your memories of that time you know uh, uh, alan at uh, at home uh, we would is so so strange about our house that we would talk about dinner at breakfast <laughs> sounds like okay. me always planning the next meal yeah. so uh, food was everything for us and uh, uh, even when we were in school um, we would have various chefs coming home uh, we had a humble home where we could we had a nice kitchen but we would get people from outside to do trade tests and trials and stuff like that and um, we were actually taught from very early in time objectively how to uh, talk about food and how to understand food and maybe if you have a comment how nicely you can put it across to people i think it, more it, people need that skill yes yes <laughs> so what were some of the things that you were eating as a family and as a community growing up so we had two kind of foods that we were doing at home one is the home style food that we would always do uh, which is not so commercial in nature but it's very different from rest of the people indian people that they are eating uh at home we would always do things like shab gosht or dal gosht or something explain you uh, most of our uh, meals are a combination of meat with vegetables mm-hmm. or combination of meats with with the uh, with the lentils so that's how and we would always eat with rice or with uh, the parathas or rotis uh, but uh, of course uh, things like biryanis and the kebabs and uh, the kakoris and the galauti kebabs and all that was also part of the naharis and the the kormas all that was also part of our life you yes you lucky lucky young man so did your dad come back from work then after cooking for i mean he was cooking for royalty and ministers and celebrities did he come back with some amazing stories oh well uh, honestly speaking he has uh, catered for almost two presidents of usa um George Bush Jr and uh, Bill Clinton uh, then of course Queen Elizabeth uh, way back in time uh, then various prime ministers from UK uh, our own prime minister with the pr- pr- prime minister uh, current prime minister Narendra Modi uh, before that Atal Bihari Vajpayee Manmohan Singh and all that mm-hmm. um, long time back he's also done a a a, a, a a dinner for uh, Sheikh Zayed really? very very long time back oh my goodness yeah, how special how special yes. for you then to come to the UAE because you work internationally now yes. yourself as a as, you know the, the family group what do you think about dubai as a foodie destination this is a, an amazing city um if i just talk about food it'll take me a complete day <laughs> in dubai itself i know and uh, well i'm coming after a very long time after covid and uh, i see so much of change uh, you have bread and restaurants like the crossing i mean it's amazing to see the flavors that they do already they're doing it i mean in their own regular menu um so uh, there's so much happening in dubai well, so much happy. happening in dubai it's incredibly vibrant the food scene is amazing here And you know what of course the pandemic took a toll on, on the you know the food industry internationally but Dubai bounced back yes. so fast and so strong because yes. we're a, we're a dining out city you know we love going out to eat Absolutely absolutely And I'm glad you're here You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8 with Spinnies Eat well live well Chef Mohammed Asfakarashi is with us, chef turned foodie, internationally renowned, restaurants all over the world and is here in Dubai, um taking up residency at the crossing until the 16th of April. Okay, sir, I want to know Tell what's me. on the menu. Well, actually, before we get to the menu, I want to know a little bit more about Awadhi cuisine. Tell us a little bit about okay, some of the um, flavors and the dishes. Awadhi cuisine pr- uh, primarily is the dum cuisine. and it was developed sometime in between 15 and 16th century uh has a great influence of the persian belt uh along with the local techniques and local spices of india the and uh, once the british came it was further more uh, refined uh, so what you have with our Av- the cuisine is 
very fine flavors of uh, cardamom, maize, nutmeg, uh, things like saffron, rose, and kevra, all that. So it's very, 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 very uh, uh, flavorsome food. Mm. Um, really fragrant. Uh, yes, and un, uh, not spicy at all. Oh, this is, uh, this the is spice, music to my ears. The chili spiciness is much lesser. Uh, but the flavor and the smoothness of the gravy and the kind of cut of meats and vegetables that we use is very, very, very fine and very, very precise. So how's that translating to the menu that you've put together for the crossing? What, what are some of the dishes that you're excited about? So we have, about? Uh, we have amazing uh, selection here. We've got things like dudia kabab, hara kabab, uh, jinga dam nisha, What's that? Murg balai kebab. Slow down, slow down. <laughs> Tell me what they are. <laughs> okay, so dudhi uh, kebab is uh, the paneer uh, uh, paneer uh, kebab, which is uh, uh, stuffed with uh, potatoes and uh, spices, mm, and it's uh, pan fried. Okay, similarly, you have jinga uh, damnisha, which is a tandoori prawn, which is glazed with uh, saffron and uh, uh, prawn shell re- uh, reduction. Oh, love. Okay. Oh, that sounds amazing. And then you have things like bara kebab, which is amazing lamb chops, uh, marinated in peshavi, char gold, uh, char grilled in tandoor. Oh, my goodness. Okay. What Furthermore? About, yeah, keep yes? going. Okay. <laughs> so we have uh, things like alu bukhara kofta salan. Al, uh, we have basically, this is uh, paneer dumpling, which is, uh, we have filled it with uh, prunes and plums. And we have amazing silky gravy of uh, onion and yogurt that we uh, serve it with. Uh, we have things like um, dal kureshi bukhara, which is classic of ours. Yeah, it's black so, ur- good, so good it's got your name on it. Yes, <laughs> black urad dal. And that is cooked with Kashmiri chilies and butter and cream. I think I think stomachs are rumbling all <laughs> over Dubai right now, chef. What about desserts? Is oh, so di- we have two uh, desserts here. We got a classic firni, which is uh, rice pudding with the with the milk. Uh, very fine basmati rice is cooked with the uh, with the milk, and uh, flavor with rose water and saffron. Uh, then of course we have things like shai tukla. Shai tukla is a very classic uh, bread and butter pudding. Uh, but Indian style. Indian style. So for people that maybe haven't been to the crossing before, this is going to be a great opportunity to, of course, see the space. But experience your cooking and the legacy of your family as well. Right. How's the response been? You've been serving up for just two nights now. Happy, I, happy customers, happy diners. Pe- pe- happy customers. I mean, every day we uh, people are... What I like about the, the customers coming to, to the crossing is that they uh, not only uh, understand the the food that we are doing mm-hmm. and uh, but they also have uh, amazing stories about it that they have, have experienced in past and they have those small memories about things like Halim and that uh, we have this Paika Salan there uh, which is the uh, Paya Nahari okay very stocky uh, uh, curry that we gave um, people have their old memories because these are classic items from Ramadan time and they're They've heard about it long time back or as a childhood, they would have had it. And now for the first time, they're consuming it. They're really, really liking it. And then for people such as me who are unfamiliar with the cuisine, this is an opportunity to hear stories about it, hear the history of it. Because we we often forget that we learn an awful lot through food. We learn about geography and history and technique. So I think it sounds amazing. For anyone that does want to come along, as I said, you are in town until the 16th. Um, If you want details, you can just send me the word chef and I will send you the link for the crossing so you can have a look at that menu and get booked in. But I think you're going to have to be fast. He's only in town until the 16th. Chef Mahabha, thank you so much for thank your time. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure Ellen, to have you, you in so Dubai. Much. It really, really is. And thank, thank you, you in advance, my biryani. That is my evening sorted. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. The man responsible for um, a few kilos to be gained over the weekend thank you in advance is Chef Laurent Petit, the executive chef at the H Dubai. Bienvenue, Chef. How are you? Uh, Thank you very much, Lorraine. It's, so, uh, it's great to be here. It's lovely to meet you. You've been. We. I'm surprised our paths haven't crossed more. Actually, we've both been in Dubai 15, 16 years, and you're now, as I said, there at the H Hotel. Um, tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, and 
why you wanted to get into this crazy world of hospitality. <laughs> well, it's a long story. Um, started for me at the age of uh, actually 13. 13 years old, I started in, uh, in Normandy, where I'm from, in, uh, in Rouen. Uh, started an apprenticeship. Uh, Is that a nice way of just saying chopping lots of lots of onions and peeling potatoes? <laughs> well, at that time, you know, before you started chopping, you were starting to to uh, to wash. You were a pot washer. <laughs> we were starting there before we we started to cut. But uh, yeah, that was a, a fantastic uh, place for me to learn. Uh, my chef was a lady at that time. Uh, and uh, her name was Helen as well. Aww. So, uh, and, just like uh, the way you say Helen, to be honest. <laughs> but, so, starting as a pot washer, and what I find really interesting about about kitchens and restaurants is it is very comparable to the army and that you've got these ranks you've got this very clear hierarchy of until you can do this you're not doing that and what you've done through your career is you know elevate yourself to different levels but by doing it through travel exactly tell us about some of the countries that you've been to and worked in yeah well um after this uh, apprenticeship uh, i i went to paris uh, to do my uh, uh, classes there you know in the, some uh, great hotel palace um then uh, moving to uh, geneva i was in switzerland for uh, a year and a half and uh, uh, went to London, uh, from London, moved to the uh, Car Caribbean, uh, um, been to uh, Oman in, uh, back in 94. Uh, I, I can't, I, I mean, I think Oman in 94 is probably very, very different to the Muscat of today. But you were there at the Alpestan, which is one of my favourite hotels. It's so beautiful. That, that must have been quite a culture shock, though, moving to the Middle East for the first time then. Yeah, completely. Uh, it was. Um, although the um, um, uh, the team over there was, uh, you know, we were lucky in the uh, Albastons. The uh, we we had our private uh, 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 accommodations, and then uh, we had our life with the uh, the expatriate there. I actually met my uh, my wife over there. You Did know, you? so does she great. work in hospitality too? Yeah, she was. This working. is what happens. <laughs> it's like teachers marrying teachers. Chefs often marry in hospitality as well. So. Yeah, we have to because... Um, you don't get uh, a chance to meet we, anyone we, else. We, we, <laughs> we don't have time, you know, to... <laughs> it's just being efficient. Um, as I said, you've been in Dubai for 15 years, but you, we were in Africa before, before yep. that. Tell uh, us a little bit about that and that experience and some of the things you learned in the kitchen and out. Well, uh, in Africa, you know, I worked in uh, in two countries. I worked in Zambia, in uh, Lusaka, and uh, in Senegal, which was a, a French-speaking uh, countries. Uh, uh, that was a, a fantastic experience, you know, uh, to uh, uh, to challenge myself actually, because uh, here in Dubai we have uh, everything is available. You know, uh, we just uh, uh, very privileged. Uh, uh, purchasing is not an issue, so, you know. Back in Africa, you know, uh, we uh, we had uh, some challenges to uh, to find things. But you know, when we look around, you know, uh, uh, we find anything. You know, uh, in, in Zambia, for example, I recall uh, going to uh, a Greek uh, farm where they had some elephants, and then uh, we were going there to pick up some uh, some uh, some feta cheese. You know, uh, so for me, it was uh, <laughs> you know the uh, the uh, the travel of the week. You know, uh, everybody wanted to uh, to come with me uh, and uh, going to this farm. You know, see uh, the elephants. Can you imagine telling your thirteen-year-old pot washing self that one day you'd be sourcing <laughs> on a? On a I'm just, just amazing. Um, what about travel now? Are you someone that plans your travels depending on what you want to eat? Up. Definitely. Yes. Good you man. Know. Me too. Where, where <laughs> are some of your highlights been for family travel over the years? Ah, um, uh, the, the highlight with the families, you know, uh, would be uh, Egypt for me. Uh, you spend uh, three years in Cairo. Um, the highlight is that uh, my daughter is born uh, in Egypt, you know, and uh, uh, people were fantastic, you know. Uh, uh, we were, um, I was in charge of the fine dining restaurant, so uh, I had to... Uh, to uh, um, uh, uh, pick up my vegetables, you know, in an organic farm uh, in uh, in Kairos, you know, and uh, and that was a, a, a great experience, you know. Uh, that uh, let's talk about the H. 
which is, you know, my favourite initial. Um, t- it's actually <laughs> where I had my first date with my husband, the H Hotel. Oh. Uh, blind date. Um, the restaurant's not there anymore, but it will. It's, every time I walk through the lobby, I still get that butterfly of like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm going <laughs> to... Tell us a little bit about the number of restaurants that you oversee there as executive well, chef. Well, we, we have uh, uh, one uh, main restaurant called uh, Eat and Meat, which is open for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, we uh, operate uh, mainly uh, a buffet. At the moment, we have uh, uh, a buffet for iftar. Uh, otherwise, we, we are working à la carte. And uh, obviously, I have, uh, I have the time to, uh, to, uh, to work for the à la carte over there where I, I, I put some signature dish like uh, we have a pan-fried uh, duck liver, you know, uh, with, uh, with, with poached peas and uh, um, uh, other, uh, other dishes like uh, uh, we're on the meat. So we, we, are, we are having a lot of steaks. Uh, and um, yeah, that's it. Uh, so the, that's the, uh, and then where else? Because you you have to juggle a lot of plates there because you're you're overseeing. You know, it's not like you're in the kitchens anymore it, as much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the the executive chef. So um, uh, over there, we oversee a lot of uh, uh, banqueting. We have uh, uh, last night we had a, a Soho for the uh, Ministry of Energy, uh, and um, so it's very. Uh, um, very changing, you know. Yeah, uh, we uh, we same. meet guests, and that does a great part, you know, where where we meet them for for their uh, uh, parties or when they they have a specific uh, uh, request. Uh, during Gulf Food, I had. Uh, uh, you must have been so busy during Gulf Food because you were just opposite the World Trade Center. Yeah. My goodness, what was that like? That's fantastic. You know, <laughs> uh, we're getting uh, uh, so many uh, uh, suppliers wanted to uh, you know uh, make event with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did again this year the uh, uh, Great uh, Brighton uh, Breakfast, you know, uh, with uh, a guest chef, uh, Vinit Batia, uh, who, who was with us. And uh, that was great because uh, we, we could get some, uh, some, some product, you know, uh, from UK that uh, uh, we, we don't, uh, we, we, we have the prime, uh, primary on that, you know, so uh, Can that's I great. ask then, as you do move up through those ranks, um, is it a bit like, so I was a writer for a long time for a magazine and I became an editor and it was actually as I became kind of more successful in that field that I actually moved away from why I got into it in the first place. I wasn't doing as much writing. And I wondered if that's the same when it comes to working in kitchens. Do you get to cook anymore, chef? A bit, bit. (laughs) of course. Uh, That's part of my... uh, uh, when we do uh, some uh, some training with the uh, the youngsters, you know, the, the um, I have 19, uh, 19 chefs, so uh, uh, a lot of uh, young uh, young colleagues, and then uh, we, we we do the training, you know, uh, when we when we have some, uh, uh, you know, uh, for the set menu or or. Uh, what do you look for in a young chef? Because you know, you you were that young chef working internationally and away from home for the first time, and now you're the one getting the resumes <laughs> across your desk what, yeah. what do you look for uh, for me uh, uh, the this is the enthusiasm you know uh, the um, you know uh, open to uh, to learn uh, that, that that's the, uh, the 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 key word for me mm-hmm. uh, the, the, yeah, you can teach the skills but you can't teach the attitude I guess uh, exactly you know uh, that that's very uh, very important we uh, and I you know uh, uh, I've been around four continent continents so Working in uh, with very different uh, uh, colleagues, and uh, so you know uh, you the human part is very important it for is, me. Because you're spending as chefs an awful lot of time standing shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last question, Chef Laurent Petit, for your desert island dish. We're going to pretend I'm sending you away. Uh, I'm not going to lie; it's not a very nice desert island. You're not going to be doing Tom Hanks spear fishing and grilling over an open. The food's going to be horrible, but. The night before I send you away, you get to have the meal of your dreams. One to remember. And you can do starter, main dessert. If you want to do three desserts or three cheese plates, it's entirely up to you. What would be on your, <laughs> what would be on your menu? Uh, on my menu, uh, definitely some, uh, some uh, uh, normal dishes, you know, uh, instead of the dessert. Uh, and uh, duck, duck a la Juanes, where I'm from, you know, uh, that's uh, uh, well, my, my favorite uh, uh, poultry dish. And uh, as a starter, some oysters. I think you need to do the, a, t- a taste of home. 
Laurent Petit. I think that could be the next the next thing at the H Hotel because it sounds absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Elaine. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend ahead. All the very best, the team. I do value your time, especially on a Friday. I know how busy, busy you are. Chef Laurent Petit, the executive chef at the H Hotel, joining me, Helen Farmer. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. As we know, food has got the power to transport you, whether it's back in time with a smell, a memory of your childhood, or indeed to an entirely different country. And we're taking you to Peru now. We are going to Above Eleven Dubai, a rooftop Peruvian Nikkei restaurant. It's lounged to Sky Bar. Amazing sea views over the palm from what I've seen. Um, it's there at Marriott on the Palm. And joining us now is Chef Luis Gavancho, the head chef. Chef, how are you this afternoon? Thank you for making time on a Friday. Hi, Helen. Nice to meet you. I'm good. Very good. Good. Um, I'm worried that you're going to make me very hungry indeed. So this is this is your job for the next few minutes. Before we talk about the menu, though, I'd love to know a little bit about you. Where did you grow up and why did you want to become a chef? Yes, I am from the south of the capital. I am from Ica. So the city is, is similar to Dubai. No, uh, It's near to the sea. So I start to, to be near to the fish, near to be checking how my mom was cooking. Then I roll some culinary programs. Then after that, I moved to work like intern in Mario, the international team. Mm-hmm. Then I start to travel. I start to travel. So I was in Cayman Island. I was in some Michelin, Michelin restaurant in Spain, wow. also in Denmark. In uh, Denmark then, as well? Yes, in Denmark, in Copenhagen, the capital. Interesting, because it's it's in the headlines now, as we know. Noma's closing. What was it like to work in one of, I think, arguably the most kind of interesting, certainly lauded cities in the world when it comes to food? What was it like working in Denmark from the from the inside? Yes, it's fantastic. They have too many restaurants. Like they they don't have the Michelin star, but the, it's like a fine cuisine. Mm-hmm. No, too many. Too many. Uh, really? No, 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 Noma, Noma is there. Well, Noma, yeah, I mean, he's done a great job on the press because they're closing in 2024. So he's going to be completely yes. fully booked up until then. Yes. Um, so how interesting. So you, even if they haven't got a star, you're just saying some of the restaurants are just amazing. So what, what brought you to Dubai? I was working in Maldives. Then I heard about Mario Resort. They're going to open in Panjumeira. So I was thinking, why not? Why not to move to uh, to this city, no? uh, to this amazing city? Did, so, you, did you have any idea of what Dubai was going to be like before you moved here? Did you have any preconceptions? Uh, yes, no, Dubai has too many restaurants, too many <laughs> concepts in food and beverage. No? <laughs> Dubai, you can find whatever you want, you can find Dubai. And you've got here, and you're not wrong. We're very spoilt here when it comes to different cuisines and new restaurants opening all the time. So you do need to be a little bit special to capture the attention in the first place, but also keep keep diners coming back. So I want to hear about Above Eleven. Tell us a little bit about some of the dishes that you're serving up. Uh, we have some, some, some star dishes here in our menu. For example, we are using some Peruvian items also. We are bringing this item from Peru. Uh, we have some Patagonian toothfish, very nice. We are cooking in Josper. This Josper is with charcoal, so the flavor is very nice, mm. also the smell. Uh, we are using red miso. We are mixing some Peruvian ingredients with some Japanese ingredients, um, but we are using a lot of techniques. Tell us, for anyone who's not familiar with Nikai cuisine, this is... A fusion that would seem quite strange on paper, but for historical and geographical reasons, it really, really works. Tell us a little bit about the history of this fusion of flavors. Yes, in Peru, it's a mix of cultures. Um, before, we have a lot of a lot of immigrants from Asia, especially from Japan and China. Mm-hmm. We communicate to the fusion between Japanese culture and Peruvian culture. So we are using some Peruvian ingredients, but using te- Japanese techniques. So you've got that precision from the Japanese side, but as you're saying there, the kind of the Peruvian flavors often kind of win out. What are some of the key flavor profiles that that you are really, really proud to be serving? Uh, especially the, the chilies we are using, you know, mm-hmm. the Peruvian chilies are like the key for us. It's interesting because Japan is kind of known as one of the most kind of closed and 
traditionalist countries in the world. But as you say, you, you know, you had about four million Japanese immigrants there in Brazil and Peru. So this is a cuisine that historically really, really interesting and has, is incredibly popular the world over. Here in Dubai, we've had some incredible restaurants coming from the well, with that kind of Peruvian twist. It was a bit of a, a craze a few years ago, and one that thankfully is more than a trend now. It's it's continuing. What are some of the dishes that you are really, really excited to introduce Dubai diners to? Which ones do you feel like, yeah, you're excited for people to try? Yes, and very proud also of one Peruvian classic dish. In Spanish, we call it rojo pato, but in English, it's uh, rice with duck. This this is very traditional in Peru, especially in the, in the north of Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, this duck, we are doing confit, and we are cooking around 36 hours. Wow. Uh, in Peruvian cuisine, we use a lot of coriander, so the rice will be a little green. It's very nice, and also we are using some some Peruvian sauce. And uh, the other also uh, is a star dish is one amachi tiradito. We are missing with some truffle oil and some caviar. And we've had a message from Kat saying, please tell me the ceviche. Is there? The ceviche is very different. It's in cubes. No, the tiradito is, is slices like, like sashimi. Mm-hmm. And spicy or no? It's a little spicy. A little spicy. Okay, chef. We've run out of time, but you've given us certainly a flavour of things to look forward to at Above Eleven. You're, you are there now, head chef, Chef Gavancio, speaking to us. Thank you so, so much for your time and for what sounds like an incredible amount of hard work that's been going on the scenes before Above Eleven even opened its doors. Congratulations on the launch and fantastic to have you here in Dubai. Nikkei Cuisine there, yum me. Sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.